When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Tuesday on which Rio Ferdinand is wrong once again. So Rio, the boffin that he is, has come out and said he believes Dominic Zabozlai is overrated. People are hyping him up too much. This is Rio, Man United are back, give Ollie a blank piece of paper to sign Ferdinand. One of the dumber people in the punditry space. A man who's completely deluded about his own level as a player and therefore believes he's able to comment on other players' levels. He's a, he's a, an amazingly dumb man. He genuinely is. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he's an absolute idiot. Um, we have a question for today that we're going to get into straight away from Antti. And it is, I know you keep saying Mbappe won't sign, and I lean into saying you're right. I would love to know your actual thoughts and reaction if we actually do the impossible and pull off that deal. Um, I I don't know. I don't know how I'd react, to be honest. Look, there is clearly mutual interest in this move. This is not just a, a fanciful Liverpool would like to do this but have no chance of signing him type of thing. There is clearly a mutual interest where Kylian Mbappe would like to play for Liverpool. Now, whether that's purely because of Jurgen Klopp, whether that's because his mother's a Liverpool fan, whether it's a combination of the two, I don't know. I mean, the best league in the world now is the Premier League. So if he wants to test himself against the very best, the Premier League would be the place to do it. And... He's already been and done the plastic fake club thing, so you'd imagine that would rule City out of the mix. United are a dumpster fire, so I don't think he'd want to go there. Chelsea are a dumpster fire, so I don't think he'd want to go there. I don't think he'd go to Newcastle. And I don't think he'd go to Arsenal, because why would he? Like, they don't have the pedigree. I think if he were to come to England, it would be to Liverpool. But I think we all know 
that he'll go to Real Madrid or we all expect that he'll go to Real Madrid. And it, it, it does make sense. The thing is, it makes sense for him because Real Madrid is Real Madrid. And when you start, when you really dig into ranking clubs globally, Real Madrid are number one. They just are. You know, we, we do have to put alliances to the side or allegiances, allegiances to the side. <laughs> and be honest, and Real Madrid are the number one club in the world. They just are. It's just how it is. You know, look, they're the original country owns a football team. They're the original, you know, football club backed by a government. They had an enormous head start on everybody else. So it makes sense that Mbappe would go there. It's the pinnacle. He's someone who idolized Zidane. Zidane obviously played there, managed there. Zidane will have been in his ear about going there. There's a couple of other outstanding young French players there in Chumani and Camavinga that would help him settle in a lot easier as well. The opportunity to play with players like Jude Bellingham, players like Fede Valverde, players like Vinicius would be very appealing. The thing is, his best role is from the left. And that's where Vinicius plays. And Mbappe doesn't like playing through the middle as a nine. So I do have some questions about whether the fit is perfect. One of him or Vinicius is going to have to shift to the right. Now, I would say Mbappe, of the two, is more suited to playing on the right and obviously has a lot more experience playing on the right. And Vinny, for me, is the best left winger in the world. But would they buy Mbappe and put him through the middle? He doesn't seem to like playing there. Play him on the right, Vinny on the left. They still don't have a nine. And he likes to have that sort of Ali Giroud type of number nine who'll do a lot of the donkey work for him. It's one of the reasons that PSG went out in the summer and signed both Kola Mouani and Goncalo Ramos. They're obviously they're not donkeys by any stretch. They're both very good players, but they do a lot of the graft, the hard work. They take on the physical toll of playing up against centre-backs. Whereas with us, we have Darwin. And he could just slot in on the left-hand side. So the fit is probably a lot easier just, you know, with us. I don't know how I'd react, to be honest. I genuinely don't know. I would probably descend into a puddle of incoherent nonsense. And then take to Twitter to lord it over all the other fan bases. But it's one of those where you don't want to put any, you don't really want to get invested in the idea. Because we got invested in the idea of previous players and they didn't work out. So it's best just to play the safe, the, the safe game and say he's going to go to Real Madrid. Um, moving on, the FA Cup draw was made last night and Liverpool were drawn at home to either Norwich City 
or Bristol Rovers. Now, they played out a draw in their uh, third round game, a 1-1 draw at Carrow Road. And they will have a replay on the 17th of January at the Memorial Stadium in Horfield, which is a district in Bristol, I assume. Um, I've been at that stadium. I didn't realise that Horfield was the actual region. Um, neither of these teams are having particularly good seasons. Norwich are currently 13th in the championship. Managed by David Wagner, obviously Jürgen's very close friend. They've been very, very inconsistent. They had a dreadful run where having won three of their first four and had taken 10 points from their first four games, they then took only seven points from their next 11 games. Wins over Stoke and Birmingham, a draw with Coventry, but defeats to Rotherham, who are awful, Leicester, Plymouth, Swansea, Leeds, Middlesbrough, Sunderland and Blackburn. It's a really poor run, eight defeats in 11 games. And then they did turn it around and they had only one defeat in the next eight games with six wins. And that probably saved David Wagner's job because there was a lot of talk around November time that he might be on the way out. Of late, the results haven't been good. They lost to West Brom. They lost to Millwall. They drew at Southampton. Obviously, this draw with Bristol, which is disappointing because Bristol are in a lower league to them. So I, I do think David Wagner is probably under a fair bit of pressure there. This certainly wasn't the season that Norwich would have planned. If you look at their last bunch of years, like last year they finished 13th, but Wagner couldn't be blamed for that because Dean Smith had done such a poor job in the first half of the season that when Wagner took over, the season had already kind of gotten away from them. Now, he didn't do very well, but he wasn't to blame. Prior to that, obviously, they were in the Premier League. The season prior to that, they won the championship. Season prior to that, they were in the Premier League. Season prior to that, they won the championship. So they had a four-year run where they were either first in the championship or 20th in the Premier League. And I think there's been an expectation that they should bounce back and get promoted again. There's some good players there. Now, they've sold off, obviously, much of the side that got them promoted the last time. And one of the issues they had when they've come up is that they haven't recruited very well. So they do have some players there that were bought while they were in the Premier League and didn't perform. If we have a look at their squad, uh, goalkeeper-wise, Angus Gunn and George Long have been splitting the minutes. Angus Gunn, obviously, one that they recruited, spent big money on, and he hasn't really worked out. Uh, George Long is a veteran who they picked up in the summer, and he sort of forced his way into the reckoning. Defensively, you've got Jack Stacey. I mean, he was fairly average for Bournemouth. Grant Hanley, he's barely played this year, but he's well past his best. Ben Gibson, formerly of Middlesbrough. Sam McCallum is a good young left-back. 
probably not that young anymore, but came through at Coventry, 23. He was linked to us for a while. Um, Danny Bath, I don't know. Shane Duffy, well past his best. Ginolas, the left back. He's decent. He's not bad. Callum Fisher looks a good young right back. That's kind of it if in terms of good defensive options. Midfield, Liam Gibbs, Christian Fasnacht. Gabriel Sara does look a player. Um, Plachette is a decent player. Kenny McLean's a decent player. Hernandez is decent. Nunes looks decent. Adam Forshaw, I mean, he, he had those injuries, unfortunately, and it, it ruined the prime of his career, that hip injury. Um. Christian Solis, they loaned out. Milot Rashika, they loaned out. Uh, he might be gone permanently. And then up front, you've got Borja Sines, Josh Sargent, Ashley Barnes, Adam Adey, who I do like, Jonathan Rowe, who does look a real prospect. 20 years of age, he's having a great season for them. And Huang Wee Joe, who's on loan from Nottingham Forest and looks a decent player. <clears throat> there's nobody there that stands out as somebody that belongs in the Premier League, you know, whereas in previous years when they were in the championship, you had the likes of Max Ahrens or you had James Madison. There isn't really that caliber of player there. So I don't think we'd have too many worries about Norwich. And I saw Norwich fans having meltdowns on Twitter last night saying, well, we might as well just lose to Bristol because nobody wants to go to Liverpool and get hammered. Um, our record against Norwich obviously very favourable 41 wins 15 draws 14 defeats if you look at our record against them over the last 20 years or so they beat us in the Premier League in April of 1994 and that's the last time they beat us they actually won 3 out of 5 with a draw ending in that one. And then they haven't beaten us since. They have gotten two draws. The 11th of October, 2011, and the 20th of September, 2015. But other than that, it's been us smacking the life out of them. And there's obviously some quite famous games, uh, largely because of Luis Suarez and his utter joy at just demolishing Norwich over and over and over again. There's obviously the 5-4 in Jürgen's first season in charge, which was a manic game. But they haven't really been a team that causes any problems in a long, long time. And you'd expect that if we ended up playing them, we would knock them out. The alternative is Bristol. And Bristol obviously being at home in the second leg or in the in the replay against Norwich is a big advantage to them. Now, Bristol are 10th in League One. Obviously, they are sort of the second team in Bristol after Bristol City. But they are a team that's got an ambitious owner and is hopeful of being able to mount a motion charge, get themselves into the championship and then try and go again from there. They began this season managed by Joey Barton. And then on the 26th of October, they became a club that everybody admired as they sacked Joey Barton. 
Uh, they're now managed by Matt Taylor. And you know, football's a funny thing. Matt Taylor, this is his third job. He obviously had a a solid lower league journeyman type of career. Worked his way up through the non-league ranks, got to Exeter, played there for a number of years, went on to Charlton, Bradford, Cheltenham, Colchester, Newport County. A journeyman type of career, but a solid one. Formerly of the Everton Academy, it should be pointed out. Um, in 2018, he took on the Exeter City job as manager. And he spent just over four years there. And he did pretty well, to his credit. Finished his runners-up in League 2 and took them up into League 1. Won nearly 44% of his games, which in the lower leagues is pretty impressive from well over 200 games. And he got the Rotherham job in October of 2022. He managed them for 55 games and he won 10. And he got sacked with an 18.8, sorry, an 18.18 win rate from 55 games over 13 months. Now that's, that's pretty poor. And two weeks later, he's back in a job. It's just, I don't think in any other industry you could do as poorly in a job as that. And then two weeks later, get another job in the same industry doing the same thing. Now, I get that it's a drop down from the championship to League One, but still. I suppose he does have the Exeter gig to to fall back on as, as proof that he can make things work, that he is good at what he does, but he was dreadful at Rotherham. Now, we have not had a huge history with Bristol Rovers. We have played them 18 times. We've won 11, we've drawn two, and we've lost five. We've only played them twice in the last 63 years. We played them pretty regularly from 1954 to 1961 in league in, in Division 2, what would now be the championship. That was sort of the pinnacle for, for them and the low point in our history. And we've only played them twice since. We played them in the FA Cup in 1992. On the 5th of February, we went to Bristol. Actually, to be fair, they weren't playing in Bristol at the time. They were playing in Twerton Park in Bath. And we drew 1-1. Dean Saunders put us 1-0 up. And Carl Saunders equalised for them. Carl Saunders is a Bristol Rovers legend. So the game ends in a draw. We come back to Anfield. Carl Saunders puts them one up. Steve McManaman equalises. Dean Saunders scores the winner. And we would go on to win the FA Cup. That was one of three replays we had to get through that year to win the FA Cup. Bristol Rovers, Ipswich in the fifth round. And then... Portsmouth in the semi-final. But it is notable we did play them in the fourth round in that year. And this is the fourth round. So if there's any sort of, you know, script writers who are crafting this season for us, a little bit of symmetry there, that we could play Bristol Rovers for the first time in 32 years at the same point as we played them in the 1992 FA Cup win under 
Graham Souness. I'll be completely honest, I don't think I know any of the Bristol Rovers players. Um, oh, Scott Sinclair is there. Didn't realise that. Scott Sinclair is there. Uh, Harvey Vale, to be fair, of Chelsea. Very, very talented player. He's there. Luke McCormick is there. He came through the Chelsea Academy. He's actually a very talented player. Anyone else that we would know? Jake, Jack Hunt, I don't know. Lewis Gordon, Josh Grant. Josh Grant, no, it's not him, no. No, I suppose Scott Sinclair is probably the most notable name. Former, formerly linked to Liverpool uh, multiple times while Brendan Rodgers was in charge and attempting to recreate his Swansea City team at Anfield. Um, Lamar Bogard is there on, on loan as well from Aston Villa. He's quite good. Obviously, last year they had Jarrell Quonsa in on loan. And um, to their credit, he did he did develop quite a bit under the stewardship of Joey Barton at Bristol. Uh, tough, tough league to play in, to be fair, League One. Very, very physical. A lot of teams go direct. And it toughens players up, especially defenders. Um, Anthony Evans is there as well, former Everton Academy star boy. Uh, that never quite developed the way they had hoped he would because it's Everton and they never develop players properly at all. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> Norwich or Bristol. I mean, we should beat both. We should beat both quite comfortably. And what it does is it gives Jurgen the opportunity to rotate, to play some of the younger players who, you know, your your Connor Bradleys, maybe Bobby Clark gets a run. You'd imagine Kwanzaa starts that one. Um, if Owen Beck sticks around, I, I expect him to get loaned out at the end of the month. But these games are played on the 27th of this month. So I'd expect that Owen Beck could play in that one. Um, Kelleher probably starts. If he's fit, which I doubt, Besetic would probably start. But yeah, it's a good opportunity, regardless of whether it's Bristol or Norwich, for Jurgen to rotate and play some of the youngsters. A couple of seniors, obviously, because we want to win and get through. But yeah, that's a very favourable draw. And the draw did work out quite favourably for us because you've got a number of non-Premier League, all non-Premier League games, like Sheffield Wednesday versus Coventry, Blackburn versus Wrexham, Watford, Southampton, Ipswich, Maidstone, Leeds, Plymouth. Like, give us the winner of any of them in the fifth round and we're we're smiling. Um, Tottenham drew City. So one of them goes out. Chelsea drew Villa. So one of them goes out. Who else are you worried about? Villa away would be tough. Tottenham away would be tough and City would be tough regardless where it is. Other than that, we've already knocked at Arsenal. A trip to, to the tune would be difficult, but they're they're falling apart at the moment, so maybe not. And they've got to go to Fulham. So Fulham knocked them out. It all becomes very favourable for us. As I said yesterday, there might be a Julier treble in the offing this year. 
Um, you can check out this is Anfield and Liverpool.com. Liverpool.com are trying to sell you some dreams as well about dream squads for next year. But check those out anyway. Uh, on AnfieldIndex.com, there is a scouting report on Goncalo Inacio. There is a piece about Joe Gomez, a piece about Connor Bradley. Uh, and there is a piece ahead of tomorrow night's game with Fulham. Podcast-wise, there is post-match raw after the Arsenal game. Arsenal Lego of Cup Dream. Um, that's very good. That's very, very clever, Trev. And uh, then there is Media Matters with Dave Davis and David Lynch, which is always very good. So give that a listen. And uh, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. We're recording Scouted tomorrow. It'll only have a bit on the Fulham game. Otherwise, it'll be about other bits and bobs. And then there'll be a post-match row after tomorrow night's game. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.